0: Hello everybody, welcome to yet another episode of Million Dollar Exits Podcast segment. And I'm your host, KP, and I'm super thrilled to invite a fellow entrepreneur from Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, welcome to the show, Joe.
1: Hey, g'day KP. It's great to meet you. Excited to be on your, on
0: your show. I read about about you and kind of learned about your background and was really fascinated about sort of the, the both the length and the depth of your um, uh, career chapters—I like to call them sort of inflection points—that you've had, you know, in, in your career. Um, some parts in ad tech, so now in uh, to all the way to creator economy. But can you quickly share um, a little bit about what is latest with Joe France? What are you doing now? What is keeping you up both in the night and in the morning?
1: Um, sure. So thanks, KP. Um, the the thing that I'm focused on at the moment is my newsletter called The Independent You um, that comes out weekly uh, on Fridays, um, just up to issue 10 uh, this week. Uh, nice. So that's that's the key thing. And the idea is that for people who want to create their own roadmap uh, to financial freedom, I, I write about um, my experience, uh, particularly about um, mindset and the mindset shifts that I've had in my life um, that I think can help other people um so th- that's what I'm working on right now.
0: That's awesome, um, and it, and it's called uh, the IndependentU.com, right? That's right. I'm gonna, yep. I'm gonna plug yep. it in the show notes as well. Thank um, you. And let's back up to the sort of a couple of inflection points in your career where you experienced the uh, million dollar exit or becoming a millionaire as a as a milestone. And a lot of our audience, you know, especially for this segment, are either halfway through or all the way through, or they just became one. And I think it's a meaningful topic that I keep coming back to because it's not so much the particular seven figure number but it is about the state of you know financial freedom like you said right that is the ultimate state that we we all wish for everybody to be in so I'm curious how did you experience that in in what form uh, in your career
1: so the million dollar exit is that the yes the key thing yeah sure so so I was in a tech startup And I was a co-founder. It was a Hong Kong holding company. Uh, We were operating in Southeast Asia. And we took on about, um, I guess it would be around $14 million of investment from uh, SoftBank, um, a company called IDG Ventures, which is part of Barry Deller's organization and Angel Investors. And we were doing uh, uh, advertising agencies. We were focused on Facebook, Google, and uh, I was responsible for building an ad network. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the background to, um, that it was about a five-year, uh, chapter. Um, And over the course of five years, I went from not knowing anything really about, uh, ad tech or online to, to having a million dollar exit. I sold my stake to, to SoftBank and IDG ventures.
0: Right. That's brilliant. Um, and in your current, um, chapter, and you you mentioned that you like to teach people about you know the financial freedom the mindset that it takes to get there i'm actually very curious about um some mindset differences that you noticed personally um many years ago when you were getting started versus you know when you went through um, that inflection point you just touched on which is you know the million dollar um, exit what were the things like what were distinct differences that you felt uh, especially about your mindset
1: yeah cool so I'll I'll preface it by saying I've always been optimistic (laughs) and um that is probably uh I I guess that's a product of your environment and maybe you know I grew up in a positive household so maybe I that's where I got my uh, optimism from so I was optimistic and that I think over time has got me into trouble because I've, I've listened to an idea and I've gone, that, that's great, I think that could really work. So I think the optimism helps. It also gets you into uh, you know, crazy crazy places as well. But the thing that changed uh, was I, I literally thought that business was about luck. Mm. I thought that uh, it was a product of uh, that business would, you, you'd be a successful business person if you happened to have an amazing idea or if you're in the right place at the right time. And I thought it was a product of luck. And what I learned in that five-year period was that you can actually uh, predict, you can create a financial model and predict um, how a business um, should fare. You can work Mm -hmm. out the key factors and levers in a business. And I had this real financial awakening. I had a mentor who taught me how to do uh, basic financial modeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember he was showing me over over a course of a few days. And I was just saying to him, wow, I I literally thought that um, everyone was just lucky and you just had to work really hard, but get yourself into a a fortunate position. And so uh, we had, I guess we would have uh, opened around 19 different entities. We had around 300 people uh, working across six different countries. Wow. And we had uh, four exits, actually, uh, three $7 million exits and an $8 million exit. And uh, that was, you know, very much down to hard work, uh, but a a huge change in at least in my understanding of how business was structured, Mm. and particularly, um, the the ability to to financially model. So I I called it my uh, lottery mindset that I had before I went into it. Yeah, where i thought everything was just you know luck and um i was optimistic i thought i could be a lucky person but i came to understand that business is actually something that you can strategize mm. and and you can model and predict
0: mm. oh that's brilliant do you have a counter to balance the lottery mindset or did you did you come up with a new term for this
1: um <laughs> i think no i haven't thought of um the counter to it i guess it's the way we should think if you want to be uh, i right. want to assure i feel yourself. like there
0: has to be some um there is a metaphor here brewing uh, and i think your newsletter audience will enjoy when, when you um come out come out with it because you're right that there's so many people who who, who think it's blind luck or the right timing um that, that you know that manifests itself as this big outcome and that was been my sort of like, you know, shocking uh, sort of, not shocking, but like startling discovery as well, where I'm, I think the eighth, eighth episode here, Joe with you, and privately I've done maybe like 20 other conversations that haven't been recorded. And every, you know, former or current millionaire I talk to um, really blew my mind in how methodical they are about, you know, creating wealth. And it's almost like they want to shift the conversation to creating value. And it's like they keep bringing me to remembering and reminding the main, the core tenet here, which is wealth is a lagging indicator of the value you create. So be obsessed about value creation, and then you know, don't worry about the wealth creation; it'll take care of itself, kind of thing. And it's been to me that's been a very refreshing um, realization because it puts a lot of pressure off of your chest, and you're not worried about when the numbers gonna hit the bank or what big out, big lucky break am I gonna have and the locus of control is within you. You know, you wake up and you get to create value and help people. Um, So with that said, uh, let's touch on a few other misconceptions and myths. Um, I think we touched on some limiting beliefs, but like what are some big myths that people have about, um, um, you know, having, I guess, a million dollar exit or a million dollars um, net worth?
1: Yeah. um, A lot of the feedback that I get currently, you know, on my, on, Twitter and, and in my newsletter, when I talk about um, becoming a millionaire, for example, one of the things that um, a common response is, um, I, "I wouldn't want that anyway."
0: Yeah, I'm um, curious so, why?
1: <laughs> I think so. I think that there's really two um, perceptions of the of the word millionaire, and I think one is from you know I want to sort of say the 1980s or 1990s, where it's this idea that um, you're a high roller um they you know a millionaire is somebody who's who's got yachts and and you know they they could never spend all their money in a lifetime and I think that um that probably hasn't that probably didn't really um wasn't actually that common then and it certainly isn't now I think um the the literal meaning of millionaire is somebody with a, a million dollars or more of net worth right so their assets and take away the debt and liabilities and, and what's left would be a million dollars um, or more right so i think that uh what people don't realize is is that to retire you in many countries in many cities you probably need a, a more. That or, or, or yeah, more or more uh, yeah yeah <laughs> um that so i think so one of the perceptions that people have is oh i i wouldn't want to stop working i i wouldn't um, I don't want all the headaches that go with having with being a millionaire and these sort of things. And when I see this, um, it really makes me want to help people understand that you know the, the word millionaire, the term millionaire, it's, it's not um, the point. And um, when we talk about financial uh, freedom or financial independence, um, for me, what that really means is that your, your costs, your living costs are covered uh, by um, hopefully pretty passive income. Right. And you have a lot of choice about what you do. Right. And and that's that's what motivates me. That's what um inspires me to um to do what I do uh and to work. And so yeah, the, just even the idea that you're gonna keep working uh, after becoming a millionaire, I think that's one of the things um that's you know, uh, a misperception. Um people immediately say, um, give me money or um why do you keep working if you're you're a millionaire? Uh, So these are kind of some of the common
0: misperceptions that I hear. I resonate with both of them. And and, uh, I think I was also in that boat for a while where I kind of uh, uh, villainized the word millionaire or at least like looked at it with like a sense of cringe um, for a while. But then like with many things in life, you know, when we're in growth, uh, many things that point you to the right direction require you to overcome your own cringe about certain things. and I realized that um, either I had a choice, I was at a crossroads, the next 40 years of my life, I could spend at the mercy of some mega corporation who could lay me off in a day or, you know, emails notice, you know, and like me slaving away for them and also being just a number on their spreadsheet and like, okay, is that the path I want to go down or is there a path where I control my time, I control my energy, who I'm, you know, what what kind of thoughts I'm nourishing, what kind of ideas and, um, you know, uh, meetings, and nourishing and things like that. So it really became very obvious that okay, I needed to be in the path that's opposite to the corporate path. And for this path to be sustainable, you need definitely more than a million dollars if you're living like up to let's say the next forty years. So I'm like, oh, this is just inevitable. Like if you're self-employed or if you're independent, if you're a founder, you're gonna have to go through the path. And the the thing that comes to mind, Joe, is um, that these words and terms and labels have very strong meanings and sort of predetermined, predisposed affinities for all of us. Um, I remember, (laughs) I remember, uh, I didn't want to be a husband, because I felt like I was such a pretty heavy word. I was like, I don't want to be a husband. Husbands are lame, right? But then I married my best friend. And so when you say Dawe, when you said I married my best friend, it's a different thing. So I don't think that I became a husband. But to the world, of course, I'm, you know, my husband, something with dad. I, I thought it came with so much baggage, so much worry, so much fear that uh, I, I was going to struggle with this. It's going to be a baggage or whatever. And now I have the most fun with my son, two years old. And he's like incredibly fun, both of us. And so I feel like so much of this, seeing the millionaire status to your point, it's not so much of a status or a label. If you approach it as it is a sustainable way to keep showing up for what energizes you in the long run, I think a lot of people might take it up instead of trying to, um, you know, self-select them themselves out of it. Um,
1: yeah, I really, uh, really relate to what you're saying, KP, um, that for me, it was actually this idea of, um, dad, I have, um, you know, three, three, um, three teenagers. Wow. And- God bless. Yeah, it's funny because I I think that at at their age, kids think that you know your parents—it's just a mission that they have, and their whole you know reason for existing was to have these kids and do you know uh, I call them uh, the worst the worst flatmates in the world. Yeah, Um, because they they don't pick anything up, and you've got to drive them around. It's and and you have to pay all the bills. So they don't pay rent. Yeah, they don't pay pay rent. Um, but yeah, that that feeling for myself of using that word dad, it's it still feels unfamiliar to me today. It's still an odd thing, so I can really relate to them. And just onto that um, idea of um, why you'd want to become a millionaire or, or be financially free. Um, and, and I think that after um, – I think the two most common responses that I get from people is, you know, how do I do it? How do I start? But the other really common one is just, um, you know, go away. I wouldn't want – what, you know, don't tell me about it. I wouldn't, you know, why are you bagging me? I don't don't want to hear about it and things like that. And so for me, I, I grew up in, in a, in a pretty poor background. Um,
0: same me too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, the, the,
1: the experience that I had was, uh, first of all, was wanting things that I couldn't afford and just really, you know, and, and that actually led to, um, in my twenties, you know, overspending. Uh, yeah. the and, and
0: same. Oh my God. Me too. By well, the time yeah. I was 30, I had like a mountain of debt. I just yeah. got out of it, but yeah, all my mistakes in twenties, I had to pay in thirties. Yeah.
1: Um, and so one of the things I want to write about and help people is there's much easier ways to do it than, <laughs> than the way that I went through it. And, and if you, um, you know, have composure and if you know what, if you understand things, um, it can be, you know, very much easier. Um, but I, I think the other thing was the the lack of choice and uh yeah. that that's what motivated me uh was that I, what i really have and and i believe it firmly today is that you you really can't do what you want say what you want and be what you want without the money to do it and and yeah. that's what in, so the independent you is becoming you know the best version of yourself achieving your potential mm. uh and and the only way that I'm sure that you can do it is by becoming financially free, and for most of us, if you're not born into wealth, that means you've got to work out a way to to beat that system that you're talking about—that forty-year, yes. nine-to-five system—that the global economic system is geared for. Yeah, that that system needs us to work until yeah. we're forty. That system will find all kinds of ways, whether it be tax or uh, other, you know, economic regulations to make sure um, they encourage us to spend. Yeah. Uh, they you know they want you to spend uh, so that you have to keep working because the global economic system needs us to keep working. So right. you know, to get out of that, you have to think differently. You have to act differently. Um, and if you don't, you can have a great life and you can even be wealthy, but you might not necessarily be free. So for me, independent view uh, captures more than it's not about... <clears throat> being a millionaire so much as it's about having the financial resource to make the choices to do what you want to do.
0: Yeah. I I love it. And I would love to, you know, take a look at some of your stuff, take a look at some of the newsletter stuff, because I think this is something very, very close to my heart and it resonates deeply um, and would love to amplify and share with my audience uh, when I can too. One of the final sort of touch points there in in your previous statement was about uh, freedom. And getting to work on what you want to work on. I think that's another aspect of independent, you know, founder life that, again, blew my mind. Again, something that you have to live through it to really understand the magic and power of it. I say this because my wife has a very strict regulated job where she's a school teacher at the government the district. And every step of what she does is regulated and sort of predetermined and set to And this is how it is. You know, that's just how she's accepted it. Meanwhile, nothing what I do is structured. Nothing what I do is, um, you know, regulated now because I'm living the founder life. So I could some days just say, um, I'm going to do four recordings of a podcast today. And some days I go and write 15 threads on Twitter or some days I just um, do four coaching calls with helping somebody else. And so it's so flexible and agile and sort of, predicated on what I want to do that week, what energizes me that week, which constantly blows my mind and her mind all the time. She's, and, and she's like, that's why she knows that you're not going to stop working even after you're financially free. I'm like, yeah, of course not. Because I want to be, even at 78, I want to be helping some founders, you know? I want to be some capacity, right? Maybe it's virtually, maybe it's a teaching or coaching or whatever. And I think that is something I wish, I know you, I know you share the same desire, that more people saw That this is possible for them in their own scale i'm not by any means minting printing money right now but i'm definitely at a more fulfilled and free place than i was you know when i was in corporate america um and this is so approachable reachable with the rise of the internet ai and no code and all these tools today more than ever in history yeah um with audience building and so on so anyway reaction to that i'm curious
1: um yeah I can I just relate to it uh, so closely um you know f- for me um you know your example say of doing four podcasts in a day or you can choose those things for me it's about doing the thing that will make the most impact today yeah. what is the thing that will get me the you know greatest progress and I can push aside things that won't and when I'm I, I've worked almost equally as an entrepreneur, and a nine to five. So 13 years as a as an entrepreneur and about 11 as a in, in a nine to five. And what I just experienced in the nine to five was you you'd do something and you'd say, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You do it anyway. And you said this isn't going anywhere, it's not going to work, do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'd come and say, okay, um, this, this project you are working on, um, we're going to change it. So the work that you've done, completely Next. wasted. Right. And you're going to start doing this new thing, and you know I I w- wasn't so much that I didn't want to work. I wanted to work on things that were going to make a difference. Yeah, and so the the overwhelming experience that I had working in other people's companies that they um, the companies were often, and I think in most cases it you know a company that still operates. And people say things like, hey, it pays a salary, so it must be working, right? That's not a metric of whether a company (laughs) is successful or not, but a lot of people will take that as as the evidence that a company is working so that it's still paying the bills. So companies can be often quite poorly conceived and even poorly managed and the strategy is not great. And I found that um, going to work and knowing that what I was doing wasn't going to produce something successful, um, just it drained me. Yeah. You know, life is too short yeah. to do things that are pointless, and I just didn't want to do that. Yeah, and you know, so now um, doing my own thing, it is it is something of a um, a burden or a pressure. Um, and for me, I actually have this challenge. You know, um, I'm I'll quite I'll respond to external requests and and people you know ask for things, and so I tend to um, help others first and then you know focus on my what I, what I need to do. And it's, it's quite a, um, learning curve for me to go through to, to better push everything aside and just do this one thing that, um, I know that I've got to grow my newsletter and therefore I have to do these actions and then, you know, <laughs> prioritize. So those are, those are fun things. It's a fun challenge, but I know where it's going. And I've worked out a strategy and, um, I, yeah, so-
0: um, I run the, you know, I run this uh, fellowship called building public fellowship, right? I don't know if you've got a, a chance to see it. Um, But we have weekly masterminds with founders in there and I'm part of a Friday mastermind. So the last six, seven weeks, the one recurring theme that I've seen is every founder out there um, who who showed up and and part of their status update, their number one recurring. We have a prompt that says, what's the bottleneck for this week or what's been a challenge for this week? And the the number one answer has been focus, 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 focus. And so, so many people. And what's ironic and what's funny there is, is, is externally, uh, when I look at their feed or when I look at their sort of tangible outcomes, and you know, two of them went into YC, got in, got up, got accepted, and then there's like a couple who who are about to raise a pre-seed round, and some of them are like making six figures in monthly revenue in bootstrap companies. And I'm like, so it's so funny because everybody's saying that the focus is the main issue, and they're all at different parts in the trajectory of being a founder so i've learned to accept that this will be a forever battle um because focus who who grades you on focus it's a self it's a you're the teacher you're the student you grade yourself at the end of the day by how much i focused today so really there's no one external and we always will have some inner critic in us who wants to say you know what today you could have done four more tweets to got to get like 24 more subscribers on newsletter but at the same time um we lose perspective that, hey, today maybe was the day that was meant for connecting with Joe France and a podcast and having fun. Because I promise you, there's a version of KP out there in corporate America who's doing dumb shit like uh, World Gold Coin Heritage Month or something, and then it's like wasting four or five hours a day trying to like put banners up, you know? Like, you know, like some random dumb thing. So you don't ever question when the group does it, and you don't ever think like, oh yeah, maybe my focus is shit, uh, a chat today because of this meaningless corporate whatever thing but when it's a solo journey you're always like man I should have maybe spent two more hours on deep work or something so I've learned to accept that okay there will always be something more to do in focus-wise and focus wise and trying to be easier on me
1: I, I, th- um, I totally relate to that and, and, you know, understand. And I think we're often, we're our toughest critics. Yeah. And, you know, so one of the things I talk about is, um, is failure um, because I experienced, I have experienced plenty of it myself. And I think that um, one of the problems with failure is that society tells us that there are signs to look for, you know, like reading the, reading the tea leaves or, um <laughs> you know, so that uh, a sign is if you've you've had a a failure or a a step backwards, it's time to stop. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this idea of sort of uh, reframing how we look at failure. Um, But so I think we're our toughest critics. In in terms of focus, one of the things that I think is if you get your strategy right, Mm -hmm. if you have your, you know, and people talk a lot about business planning and what's your plan. So a plan is a set of, Factors that you already know, so it's you know the cost and hopefully income, and you you project it in a, in a forecast for the future, and that's a plan. Um, a strategy is to take things that that you don't know, mm. that you can't know, uh, and you say, "Well, if, if this hypothesis, if I'm right about this, if if people really would like to have this thing, if the, if if they like it so much, they would pay this amount of money. Um, if I'm right." And I go through and I execute, then that's going to get me into an amazing position, right? And potentially a position for for great for greatness. And you know, one of the other things that motivates me is to is to do great things, not to do the ordinary. Um, So I think when you have a strategy, then it starts to get easy because the plan that comes from that strategy is um, makes things clearer. And and I think that gives you more focus. So um, so I think a lot of people um, are work. You know, we we tend to want to work hard, and working hard, we we go. Oh, I had a great day today. You know, did did so many things. You know, and, and I see people. Um, there's a guy in my network who has a pie chart every day, and he says how many hours he spent on this. And I said to him, Have you ever, you know, put a dollar figure on that st- that stuff you're doing, like your side hustle? Um, you spent two hours today. Have you worked out what that's worth? And he was and he's actually productivity is his thing and he's going like, "No I'm going to get onto that and so I think um, a lot of what we're doing when we say focus and I, I actually think there's a, there's a higher level within our own brain within our mm. own mind which knows when we're moving the needle and moving things forward or not yeah and we we give it good information or bad information and I think strategy a clearly held strategy, that uh, gives you an opportunity to to do something great, um, changes how you feel about what you're doing as well. So I I often think getting that right is worth more than a lot of work, for example. Yeah,
0: wow, that's well said. And and I wonder that level of clarity and, and sort of strategy makes the following plan feel effortless because you're so clear about what you're doing. And I've often been in those places, but then I've also been not in those places, and I could f- I could feel the difference.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I think it's I think it's difficult. You know, um, for me, it was uh, say around six months ago I started, um, you know, a kind of this creator uh, opportunity Go that ahead. I see, and you, you touched on it before, and I think it's an incredible opportunity. Um, you know, really, the internet is a lot like the steam engine. Yeah, and that that created the industrial revolution. And I, I don't know if you know that the the major derivative of the steam engine and the industrial revolution was cotton and cotton clothing. Wow. So we, at that time they were, you know, wearing one set of clothes for a week. It was yeah. kind of coarse hair and you'd, you'd wash it once a week. And, and then suddenly with, with the steam engine and with cotton clothing, you could have different colors and you could put it in the wash every day and you, you know, you could produce uh, a lot of clothing quickly. So it was exponential for 50 years. Wow. Uh, the growth in clothing and cotton clothing um and and I think that the internet has produced and I, I think the primary derivative was it was advertising mm. um and uh, so I still think that what we are what we have now with the internet we're just 20 years into it and I think impressions and I think the value of those impressions and it's gone from being you know a, a typical banner ad into you know, sponsored content and lots of other different sort of models with it, but I think the opportunity for creators to have a following and to generate impressions—it's just—it's incredible. And mm-hmm. and I think that that um, that we'll, we're seeing the same kind of revolution that you saw with the industrial revolution. Um, but so for me, about six months or so, uh, committing to this and, and getting into that—you know, for me, it was a lot about what what was the uh, business model that I would pursue, and I've tried. Oh. You know, many tested out many different things, and I I, I tried, you know, affiliate marketing, and I and different kind of um, looked at doing coaching and things like that. And I think those are hypotheses. You know, um, I've had entrepreneurial experience. Maybe people would like to. You know learn from me and so what if i create this offer and you test out these sort of these offers and all that kind of stuff so that's testing hypotheses and a lot of that um for me what i find is um i usually waste a lot of money on new tools (laughs) and um new apps and subscriptions to this and that thinking that this is going to help me um you know produce um so once you kind of clear through all that yeah and now you know I, i have my path and i'm doing my newsletter and I'm doing a, a low-ticket um, sales course, a course on nice. selling. Um, then it becomes, you know, what I think it, it's about is you create your own grind. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that we don't like, perhaps, you know, KP, you're talking about corporate America and, and you know, for me working for for 9 to 5, um, there's a certain monotony in doing repetitive tasks. Right. But unfortunately, even as entrepreneurs, that's actually should be what our goal is. Because by the time that you can create the the repeatable workflow that produces results, you've actually done it. You, you've yeah. actually you've you've made it, and then it's just a question of
0: scaling. Scaling it. Oh my God, it's so true, and it's so funny you said that because just last last week mm. I was thinking about the fact that the last two weeks have been very monotonous for me, but they're churning out money. Yeah. So. And it took me six or seven months to get to a point where I can pull a lever, and it like I can see a stripe notification at the end of this. But I was like second guessing, man. Whoa, why does this? Why am I like repeating each day? Every Monday looks like I mean every day looks like the previous day. But then every once in a while I have to remind myself, and uh, when I talk to founders who are four or five steps behind me, that it's like catching lightning in a bottle. It's so hard to get. The four or five factors, right? Like the offering that you have with what market needs, with what energizes you, with like all these four or five factors, the right price tag. And once you get it, like you, I think that was a good, that was maybe the universe saying, you know, give me a sign that KP, now it's time to lock in and go hard the next two months. You know, just like repeat the thing that's working because it's, it's rare
1: yeah I I think it is I think it's really uh, congratulations if if (laughs) you have those and you see those stripe um signals and that's I think that's essential trick you know that to show that you're you're on track um these things these opportunities don't last um yeah that too you, you need to make hay while the sun shines and um i think that i see entrepreneurs getting really creative again and they're going <laughs> like i've had another idea and and the, you know so um the test now i think kp is um the ability to to scale will be a fa- will be a function of of how good your original strategy was how how great that uh, first hypothesis was one of the things i see a lot on on twitter and and i see on on the web and people are saying Don't overthink things. uh, Mm. Just go and do things right. But I I don't really think that there's a risk of people just sitting around, um, you know, thinking. I don't think that's the risk. I think the much bigger risk is people going down rabbit holes, chasing after, you know, uh, ideas. Um, So I think actually there is, you know, the same way as I found out originally that business isn't luck. Um, Strategy isn't luck. Either there's a, a method to create a strategy and one of the things that I found, you know, over uh, twenty-five years now, is um, I know that if I get to the point, like you're describing, where you're getting these stripe signals, if it's something that I don't want to be, you know, if I've created a grind that I don't want to keep doing, right? Um, if I'm doing, you know, if I've gone and created a business for myself that I don't love, and and let me use um, coaching as an example, right. Um, I, I get every day. I get a direct message saying, "Hey, you know, um, love your account. Um, let me help you create a coaching offer, and you can." But um, I just, I'm not a teacher. I've, yeah. I've done a little bit of teaching in my life, and I just don't love that experience. And I feel a burden. And I, um, you know, I want to create um, a course that helps hundreds, hopefully thousands of people. um, I don't, I know that I don't like coaching, Um, but a lot of people just, they'll, they'll ask a different question. They'll say, well, how much money am I going to make? Yeah. And, and, and then the the guy, you know, so that's easy. Um, You know, there's a guy that we, uh, that you probably know from, from Twitter, who's involved in a, in an app that helps you schedule tweets. Yeah. (laughs) And, and he's pretty well known. And so he's saying, you know, he's one of the guys and he was saying, Hey, you know, um, you can go from zero to $30,000 per month um, in three months. And I've been around for 25 years and I'm going like, "Um, there aren't a lot of one people businesses that are seeing that kind of growth. You must be talking about an agency. And he said, yeah, man, it's an agency. And I'm going, well, I have actually helped to build agencies. And I and don't want to be one of the worst business... Let me tell things.
0: you, I've built, same thing, 2016, uh, 15 through 17. For two or three years, I did an agency yeah. on the side. Yeah. Burnt me out. Yeah. Hated it. Actually, so, I'm so glad that you're self-aware about sort of you in the coaching part, Joe. And I, that's where it's very important to kind of get to the nuance of any advice. You know, you listen online, including this podcast, if someone's listening to this. Hopefully... You can parse it out through your own lens of how much of what we're talking about, Joe and I, you know, resonates or overlaps with what energizes you and what gets you up in your chair and just like gets you going, along with what's what makes you know money in the long run, right? So for me it's so weird because I'm actually I love coaching. I love the manual, scrappy, non-scalable version of coaching, and I I get super energized by it. But what I do to to kind of counterbalance that is that I charge very high, I mean not very very high, but like I charge more than I would probably be comfortable charging because I'm a little like I'm a, like you I, like I feel a little guilty about sort of, you know I just want to help people right. But I use the charge as a or a price tag as a way to limit the noise and only have signal the right four people in in the corner, and I want to go all in with those four. Like I've become self-aware and gotten to that point because I tried a this journey and I hated the course journey. I'm sorry, <laughs> Just to, this is my honest reflection. I was like, oh my God, this is talking to a screen and I don't get energized by talking to a screen. I'm very different about that. And I was like, okay, but like you said, there's so many people who've shined with that, you know, um, business line, including Justin Welsh and some of my friends. And I was like, something's wrong with me probably. <laughs> I thought for a while maybe I'm like I'm broke. I'm not meant to be a you know a creator, which is all funny because as you look back, it's really about what what energizes you combined with what your audience might want from you combined with you know what's missing in the market, right? Some version of that. And there's many paths to the to the, to doing it.
1: I think that that element right of finding that thing that that you actually want to keep doing because. If you do get it right and you go through and there is a demand for the for your idea then you better be sure that it's something you want to keep doing otherwise you've created not only a job for yourself but a job that you don't actually like doing exactly and and, uh, you know a
0: better a better i feel like a better uh framing for that is to kind of ask yourself would you be doing this continue doing this even if you didn't get paid like is this an infinite game i think with the newsletter creators drew Riley is a good friend of mine and his advice has always been like, "KP, you pick the game, that's like an infinite game for you. Like you would go do the game or play the game for 40 years, even if you were not getting paid. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty strong because he built Trendstart VC based on that that philosophy. And of course, wealth will find you when you're constantly creating value, you know, as we talked about earlier.
1: I think it's hard for, um, so a lot of the people I'm talking to are reasonably desperate. They, they urgently want to, want to, get money and they want to yeah. know how to how do I you know get started and so I think it's very hard to have that conversation with someone you know oh you know um do that thing that you would like to be doing is I guess there's a learning curve to get to be able to appreciate that point and so a lot of the people I'm sort of um talking to and and trying to help maybe earlier in the in the starting point you know um when we talk about mindset yeah um and see so how do I get started and and it, and it may be your nine to five and then
0: and I think to me, another thing there, sorry, Joe, is, is um, I feel like a lot of people think of either of these two lifestyles. We just talked about the 95 and um, the founder life as their binary one way doors. Like it's like you're, you're just going into a portal and you're escaping to space to a different planet. Forgetting the fact that they're completely reversible decisions. So there have been times in my career where I've been a founder, burnt out, took a job, enjoyed it for a while, burnt out, didn't like it but i knew deep down that i was going to be a founder eventually but doing what's practical for you is so key so the six months journey i was talking telling you like before the stripe notifications kept showing up three months ago i had a coaching call with someone who was my coach and i told her look i'm in this tremendous stress right now like i'm in doing i'm doing all these um, one off like consulting projects and they're not they're not energizing me they're money they're giving me big chunks of money like decent chunks of money but they're not energizing me And I don't know what's my thing yet, like the thing that um, has both energy and money. And she said, KP, like there's no harm in giving yourself a deadline saying, okay, here's my deadline until which I will try because you're a dad and you have family, you have bills to pay. So I was really ready to go back to the 95. And my only hope was find a job that sucks less. Right. But that's the best you can hope. But I was fully ready. March 22, I was ready, committed to go there. But I tried my ass off to make sure that scenario never comes. So that really lit a fire under my, you know, in my belly. And, of course, by March 1st, I got to what I wanted to do and then uh, never had to worry about it. But I think people confuse that you're, to our initial point where it's like a oh, one-way, irreversible decision that you've taken to be a founder, which means you can't you can accept a job and pay for your family. So Yeah,
1: no, I, I, I think... You're right. It's it's not a binary uh, choice. And I think, um, you know, so I, I actually I, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Five Steps, uh, How to Create mm. an Online Business in Five Steps. And I, I actually want to I'm working on that to, to republish it again this year because uh, a lot of things have changed. And I think I'm a better writer now than I was a couple of years ago. But I, I actually think the second step that you want to take is is to establish, you know, when you know what you want to do is to actually make sure you've got the the money to do it, how to fund yeah. it. And, um, you know, my experience as a, as as an entrepreneur, I wasn't in the Silicon Valley, but we had investors from the Silicon Valley and I, I went. And to the Silicon Valley a number of times and, um, that idea of just, you know, I've got an idea, so I'm going to get investment. And then, you know, that was, that was another metric that people used, how much money they'd raised. You know, the two that I saw was how many staff they had, you know, so we're doing great. You know, and I'm going like, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Headcount is is not a good thing. Uh, Yeah. And it in it, it no way reflects how how good your business idea, how few staff you need. I right. Think someone, um, I saw someone post. I think it was Sam Parr posted the other day that uh, Craigslist still has fifty employees. Yeah. And they're doing that's wild. a billion dollars. Now that's that's, that's a good business. That's a good business. Uh, we actually did. I did a classified uh, site, and it was oh. um, it was sold a few years ago. So I know a little bit about that business.
0: So actually, I had one more um, point about. Failure and the role it plays and the way to bounce back from failure. Uh, I'm curious to hear about your date with failure uh, and how <laughs> your romance with failure and yeah. how it went and how did you r- recover from there? First
1: of all, it took a long time to to recover and it, and I, I wasn't I didn't even talk about it, it when I when I was a, when I was a kid I, my family went through a, a fairly big upheaval. My dad had a I guess like a, a a sort of business or whatever um, failure. And uh, we we had to suddenly move as a family. So I was ten years of ten years of age, and we suddenly moved like over a weekend. We moved to a different city, and and mm. um, huge change. And I think ever since that time, I felt um, at any time, you know, the rug can get pulled out pulled. from underneath you. Yeah. So when I, when I did make a, I had a million dollar exit. I actually didn't. I didn't take it. I I wasn't like an NBA basketball star who uh, just you know just spending the money. I, I was. Um, <laughs> I was scared. I was really um you know, fearful that You went would... into
0: production mindset, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I actually protection mindset isn't one of my isn't one of my strong points. I probably don't have that. I probably need more of that. But what I wanted to do was sort of a similar thing to what I'm doing now. I wanted to create a lifestyle business. And so I invested into a company that it was um, it was a sports company, it was golf actually. And they were building indoor golf centers. Yeah and people at that time were wanting to practice golf in a lot of cities it was it was built up uh, traffic and all that kind of stuff so you couldn't get to the driving range of the golf course so we had these little indoor centers and it was it was a it was an okay idea and i, I thought there was an online component you know this is r- right back in 2011 12 people wow. was, you know so getting into the idea of you know video wasn't easy to do at that time and it would take a lot of bandwidth and cloud computing hadn't Really, kind of taken hold yet? So it was still still a little bit early, but we were building an app and, and and those kind of things. The problem was the strategy was okay. The idea was that we would take a profit each month and collect a salary, and you know have a have a lifestyle business. The other person I was working with just expanded. We just suddenly had nine centres. We we borrowed money. We raised five million dollars, and we wow. were right. In, and we had uh, I think around seventy staff. So the, and the problem with that, it started burning cash that mindset shift was a pretty interesting one because until that point it never really occurred to me that a business could fail Mm. a company that you set up what what happens with it it's very much like um owning a house that's about to fall down and you're still living in it and you don't know which room to put the bed in you know where i could eat my meal because the whole thing's falling down but you can't, you own that house. You can't walk away from it and you can't uh, give it to somebody else. And what do you, what do, you do? And that was, it, it was sort of like a, a clanging sound in ringing in my ears because it was the first thing I understood. And, you know, you start getting the paperwork out. You get out the articles of association of the company and you see what the actual decision-making that's set in law in company law and who makes the decisions and what is the order that you get rid of staff and you mm. go through these these kind of processes. And that, and it went on for about 18 months and I, I felt a responsibility and I, and I actually managed that process for 18 months. Wow. And the company was uh, dissolved and the assets were passed to shareholders and I walked away with nothing. And that whole experience definitely put me off being an entrepreneur for a long time. I just said, you know, at that stage, I was 40. My third child was was one year old. And my wife, it was it was tiny, because you know, my wife also is, is a teacher aide at a, at a wow. school. Wow. And uh, she's always liked, you know, the traditional path. And she's always advocated and said, <laughs> why do you keep doing what you're doing? It's so much easier to, you know, and so um, that was a really good I think time to um, to say you know what I've I've done my thing you know I've done my entrepreneurial thing learned a lot could write a book on what I did and
0: so but you know I, I kind of I actually um, but did you take a wait did you go back and take a nine to five job for a while or so I was just about to
1: say I actually um, did a bit of a trick I, I, it was a nine to five job um, for a new tech startup they had a hundred employees worldwide and I was employee number five in, in Asia, um, this, so the tabula tabula. Yeah. Yeah. And they listed, uh, on the NASDAQ. So in the time that I was with them, they went from, um, just under a hundred million dollars to doing a billion dollars in revenue. They wow. went from around a hundred, I think it was 150 staff, um, to close to 3000. Wow. And we went from five to 300 and I opened Japan, Singapore, Australia New Zealand those kind of markets and so uh, at one point every four days I was flying to a new country wow so it was a nine to five but it wasn't your normal nine to five and that was my act of rebellion <laughs> I was going like yep I'm collecting a salary but I I, I did um, I did have a, a pretty decent kind of commission and performance element to it and every year um you know I I was able to I had an almost unlimited ability to, to grow, um, because I would say to my, uh, the vice president of the region, why not open Japan? And he'd say, get on a plane. go and open on Japan. A plane.
0: I think that's another thing people don't appreciate enough is when you are a founder, and you spend time and even if you have a failure, this is very, very essential to, to the Silicon Valley culture, you know, that you, I'm sure you're aware of, where you always fail forward, you know, as long as you you are someone with high integrity and like someone who people can count on, there's so many other founders who will look at your failure and be like, you know what, great job. That was still well done. Now join my rocket ship or join my company and help out. Because people know what kind of DNA you need um, when you're building out a team as a founder, right? You know that you need another founders, um, as many founders as you can, if you can get them. Yeah
1: that might be another thing that I, that I, you know, cause now I'm, now I am an entrepreneur again. I've been about, I'm three years into uh, doing my own thing again. And I find, you know, I got, it took me about 10 years to get over that, that initial shock. So maybe in the future I'll, I'll, um, change my mind about this as well, but, um, that whole fundraising and, and other people's yeah. money, um, that, that experience of, um, you know, I had friends who put money into that company and it's, so I can't even say today, um wow that you know that was a great experience because people um friends lost money, lost in that money. Business yeah and, and there were angel investors and and friends and and even in that earlier company uh, a close friend a guy I used to run with um four times a week um he invested in one of the companies that that failed yeah I didn't come out of that experience wanting to um go back and and take Mm. people's money again. And it was, you know, taking people's money is not the right expression, but I I didn't want that burden again. And so, you know, the, the Justin Welsh, um, solopreneur, I actually advocate for people. If you, if you're listening to this podcast and you're starting out, I really think that working in a group and co-founding a business and being an entrepreneur for five to 10 years is the right path. It's the right way to do it uh, because you'll learn so much quicker and you'll give you expose yourself to so many more um, opportunities and ideas as, as when you're part of a group so wait uh, I would say don't become an entrepreneur solopreneur first for for me um I'm in a great space now where I I think that this um the way that the web is set up now where we can go on Fiverr and yeah contractors get things done and people with a lot of talent um, providing services. So you can yeah. really find amazing things that none of that stuff was around, um, 15 years ago. Right. Um, you know, it's when 15 years ago, when we had an idea, we would say, how much server space do we need to, you know, what, how many racks do we need in the, in the data center? Do we need to pay for? Everything it was so expensive, yeah you know, so that you know when I say I'm wasting money on tools, it's you know forty dollars in a month or something that the opportunity is incredible, yeah, um, the tools are there, and the the people are there the it's an exciting time I think the it's next a, ten years is is, is it, going to be incredible.
0: I'm on in the same path, just like you and same thing I have I'm the solo founder, one person, mm-hmm. but I have contractors helping me out and leveraging both upwork and firework, and some of them actually Even through my network and connections when I put out something that I need help with this and they're like, when you have an audience, another thing that I didn't like, I didn't know before I had an audience is people love to help you. You know, there are so many talented people who want to work with you because they've read your content or consumed your stuff. And to your point, the next 10, 15 years are going to be, you know, amazing for people who, you know, want to build a creator led creator centric business. And even just like I think, bootstrapped to me has become like the main path, yeah. unless, of course, you know, if an idea comes around and you're like so driven to spend ten years on it, and then that's that's different, right? But
1: um, yeah, and, and, and you know, um, to your point about coaching and consulting, I think that that's a great way to you know test your idea and fund your own idea. And, yeah, and and that's that's actually you know what the experience i had with so many people saying well, well i have a i've had a great idea so people should give me money to um to test my idea and they have, you know i'm sure you have them but you know so sort of the go fund me type pages to fund your business idea go and test it out help people yeah. you know you, you've mentioned value creation prove that it works and For that it works
0: when the um, rubber meets the road right And like, a lot of people are afraid of that truth but i think that is fundamental to being an entrepreneur is that you want to be as close as possible to reality. Like don't ever sleep on assumptions. No, I, I love that. So um, one last thought um, before we wrap up, Joe, this has been such a fun, I, I can, I, I lost track of time at some point. This has been such a fun. Thank you for, for all that you've shared. Uh, what is in the next few months for you? Like, what is it going to look like? What's your roadmap? Uh, looks like the newsletter is a big focus, but apart from that, what are some other content experiments you're curious To try yeah thanks kp and and by the way it's been
1: great talking to you it's you know love the idea of of your podcast and you know it's been been brilliant yes i mentioned i had this so i I did a lot of sales and so starting from zero is something i talk about a lot and i've just finished doing a five five part series on my newsletter of how what do you do how do i start from zero in 2023 Um, for me that was actually learning to sell Mm -hmm. and i think um, what we see now in this, in, I think, over this next ten years, with with people creating businesses, uh, knowing how to articulate your offer, yeah, knowing how to become a confident salesperson. People say to me, um, oh, I couldn't be a salesperson. I I don't want to be pushy. Uh, I learned sales technique and a sales formula, um, a process for how to sell. And so I want to help people, founders and entrepreneurs, promote their own product or service and promote themselves. So I've created. I started right in January, and and I've just been working on the script now. So, well, in um, next month, I'm going to produce um, a low cost course. It'll be a uh, hundred dollars at launch, and you know, hundred and fifty dollars, similar kind of thing to what Justin Welsh and Rob Lin and some other guys have kind of done. But the idea is, is that if you're an entrepreneur, in the next few years, if you you know, the only course that you'll need. To learn to sell um so that's um that's, that's a
0: unique th- angle I, I don't think anyone's done that or there's not, i mean there are probably thousands of sales courses on the internet but i think that angle is very interesting especially if you cater it to maybe people who are who are exactly in that bucket of people who think that sales is pushy you know yeah. but they're creators so they need to make money like they need to like you know uh, survive
1: in a way, it's uh, my course. The the person I'm thinking of is has thought of everything else except for the fact when they go to start talking to people, they they realize that actually there there is a, a structure to a sales process. Yeah, there's a five step structure to it, and people say, well, you know, even if you're like a really engaging person, you know, that's that's where I think that thing of, of um, not wanting to be pushy comes in. So to be, how to be your, your authentic self and be confident and confident yeah. in what you're doing and how to articulate it. So. Um, you know, I started in door-to-door sales for a couple of years. Wow. And so, um, you know, I was 20 plus years, 23 years as a salesperson. So um, that, I'm putting that into into a course and I'm really excited about that. I'm going to republish, uh, rewrite and republish a book that I wrote. And then I have a new a new book, a new idea that I've got that I want to do um, early next year. So the next six months for me is is very much about when I wrote the first book, And I went to I had to ask friends and family to give me reviews because I had no followers, I had no audience. And uh, that was when I came to understand that, you know, you need to do that first. Twitter's been great. Um, I do plan to uh, repurpose and expand some of my content into uh, different platforms. Um, But for now, it's the newsletter low-cost low, low cost course, uh, low-ticket course next next month, and then publish a couple of books. My, I really want to help as many people as I can, and so I want to have a lower price, price point, and yeah. I want to deliver, you know, hopefully tremendous value for people um, in a low-ticket. Um, yeah. O- o- I, well, uh,
0: I can't wait product. to check out uh, you know, the, the, book, the course when it comes out. I love sales, and this is one of those things where uh, I feel like, especially if you love sales, you should do more sales courses because it's like the people who know basketball and they love basketball. If you see Steph Curry, he's always conditioning. He's always training. I mean, I, actually, I'm a big believer in founder courses, writing courses, sales courses. They, we get a lot of, you know, shit in this industry because there are a lot of scammers. Unfortunately, it's like anything. It's like religion. It's like uh, anything where missionary work, like there's, of course, a lot of scammers, but there's also them, some saints, right? You don't want to miss out the saints because of some, some uh, D-bag who you interacted with four years ago on Twitter, right? Yeah. And I feel the same way that there's so many great people like including you like I, I was I'm blown away by your composure, your empathy, and just like I could tell that you understand the integrity of like when you when someone's paying you some money, whatever that x y z money tag is, you want to be able to deliver 10 the value and I was shocked when I read alex hermosi's um hundred million dollars offer you got did you get a chance to read that and every page he's screaming the same thing he's like. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you guys bought the book. Let me give you more value. And the book is like 20 bucks. It's not, yeah. not even that expensive. But I realized that, wow, like he's one of the top 1% elite salespeople on the planet. And this guy's constantly screaming every page. Like it's about people. It's about value. It's about them, 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 not you, you, you. I am like Wow. This, this is, this is how you do sales. You know, it's not the pushy. It's not the greasy, like, you know, a car salesman type. So, um, Sales, sales is one of my favorite topics to talk about, and I would That's love great. to check the book out and uh, you know promote it with my to my audience too. Thank you, KP. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I'll uh, keep in nice. touch with you. Thank you. Great to meet you. Cheers. Bye.